The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend here on A's Cast powered by TuneIn. And today we're going to be talking a lot about the firings down in Houston. We're going to have Mike Petriello from MLB.com and also MLB Network. We're going to have Matt Thomas, who does the pre- and post-game show for the Houston Astros flagship station. And we'll also have Martin Gallegos, who covers the A's for MLB.com. But what a shocker. Baseball comes down with year-long suspension for A.J. Hinch and Jeffrey Lunau. And then the owner, Jim Crane, fires them right after that. A shockwave all around Major League Baseball. Here's Mike Petriello talking about the firings down in Houston. Mike, we always appreciate you having me on here on A's Cast Live and just a, another slow day here in the winter. Yeah, there's really nothing going on at all this winter. <laughs> I can't wait for the season to start so there's baseball to talk about. <laughs> wow. I mean, we knew Major League Baseball was going to come down hard on the Astros, I guess I'm not totally shocked by the one-year suspension for Jeffrey Luno and the manager, A.J. Hinch. I guess what I'm shocked about, and you tell me, the fact that the owner, Jim Crane, then fired both of them. Yeah, that was the most surprising part to me, um, for sure. And, you know, you have to wonder if either of those guys were even going to be able to really come back and do the job afterwards, you know, especially Luno. Um, because he's the one who's going to have to deal with the other teams and hire front office executives. That's a hard spot to come back in and say you're going to you're going to do that job. So the owner has done what was probably the correct thing to do, and it's going to make for a very weird season, I think, because they'll have somebody being the GM and somebody being the manager. You know, it could be like Joe Espada, who is already on the staff. But what's going to happen is they're still a really good team, right? They they were not a good team because of this cheating. Certainly, you know, the moral implications of this are massive. Um, but it's not at all hard to see Joe Espada leading a tainted Astros team right back to the playoffs, and that's certainly going to make for some kind of story. Well, I think that for my listeners right out of the gate, you know, from an A standpoint, we haven't been thrilled about this. You know, when, when you suspect that a team is cheating and they're beating you every year and you win 97 games two straight years and it just gets you into the wild card game, you know, A's fans haven't been thrilled by this. And I guess an A's fan's number one question would be, how do you think this will? Do we have any idea? But how do you think this will affect the actual Astros on the field? Yeah, that's the exact right question to ask. And I I wish I had a great answer to that. I mean, part of it is uh, you have to separate the pitching and the hitting. We have no indication that the pitchers had anything to do with this. So you can expect Justin Verlander is still going to be great, right? Uh, As far as the hitters go, you know, you, you hear about the methods that were used and you have to think to yourself, well, well sure, if you knew what pitch is coming, that, that has to help, right? And my impression is that it probably did. Uh, but on the other hand, it's really hard to know who and by how much. For example, Josh Reddick was really bad last year. So does that mean he wasn't using it or he was and it didn't help or he's just near the end of his career? I have no idea. I hesitate to say that Alex Bregman, who's been a star his entire life, was only good because of that. Certainly, you can't brush any of this aside. It's It's a massive unknown. I really don't know how to evaluate this going forward because we've never really seen anything like this on this scale. 
No, and then it doesn't stop in Houston. It looks like what we've seen today is pretty harsh, but it could be getting even harsher on Alex Cora, who was a part of this in Houston. Now he's being accused of cheating as the manager of the Boston Red Sox. Could we see Alex Cora, a part of two, a part of two championships, may even get harsher punishment than this? Yeah, if you read the PDF report that came out today, Alex Cora already has tire marks on his back. You know, he has been completely thrown under the bus here, and certainly he it sounds like he has uh, he's deserving of of a lot of that. And he has he was not disciplined today because they are still investigating the Red Sox, but they've made it pretty clear that discipline will be coming. Uh, it's possible he could get even a harder suspension than AJ Hinch got. You know, it could be more than a year. It could be banned indefinitely, and then the Red Sox could say could say, you know what, we don't want you here anymore. It's very possible he has managed his final game for the Red Sox or for anyone, which is a really funny thing to think about, you know, with all the success he's had over the last few years. Yeah, after he won the title, he was an absolute darling of the sport. And to think that, you know, we could maybe see one of these punishments where you're out of the game forever. Uh, you know, the future for – we're talking about two managers here that won World Series. Their future in this game – uh, pretty muddy. We may never see these guys manage again. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing, you know, like, it's like an hour old, you know, so we're all digesting this a lot. The, the other thing that stands out to me, in addition to what you said, is that it sounds like none of the players are going to get disciplined here, even though it also sounds like uh, the players, as well as Cora, were the ones who really kind of pushed this along. And I, I think I understand why, certainly, you know, the, the commissioner's office has a lot more latitude to punish owners and, and coaches than they do with players because you have to go through the union and obviously relations with the union uh, are a little fraught right now uh, but it's just interesting to, to see that it's it's going all to management and not to the players themselves and I think that's going to be kind of uh, an underrated aspect of the story as, uh, as more guys come out like think about the guys who are on that team who are no longer active and don't to lose like I don't know Brian McCann I have no indication that Brian McCann knew anything whatsoever and I don't mean to sound like I do uh, but he is a guy who was on that team and has always been you know a playing the right way kind of guy I'd love to hear some of these other guys get asked now that this is all out in the open yeah I I, I was kind of shocked if, if there's certain players that were de definitely helping with this and another guy that is a part of this is Carlos Beltran who's now the manager of the New York Mets he was a player at the time do you think players should be more held accountable? Because they were obviously the ones implementing this. Yeah, I do. Uh, it just kind of leads you down some slippery slopes here. If you find out, for example, that two-thirds of the was doing it, well, you can't suspend all those guys uh, right now because then how do you even have a team? Um, and it, it does sound like part of it was about who was willing to talk and who was willing to help. I mean, it's all so new. It's, it's a little difficult to digest. But it is kind of weird to me that no player is going to feel any ill uh, effects from this um, it's obviously they had a large part in doing this and I do wonder if that uh, sends a message to any players on the road that maybe it's just going to go upwards if you get caught doing this yeah it's going to be a wild time in 2020 and I think this was this was big for the commissioner because you look at how the NFL handled the cheating scandal with the Patriots they still get criticized for this basically Manfred came out after 2017 wrote a it was like a three-page memo to everybody saying, do not cheat. So I think it was really, don't you think it was really important for him to lay down the law to let everybody know that Major League Baseball is not going to allow for this? I think that's absolutely right. And you could look at this and say that this is the largest punishment that's been handled 
really the Black Sox, the, the Chicago White Sox of 1919, a full century ago. Um, and that that's definitely coming out strong. You know, it's hard for any team to see this and say, uh, this is something we want to be a part of going forward. And that is the message I think that needed to be sent. I know a lot of people wanted it to go further. People would have loved to see them get stripped of the title or be ineligible for the postseason this upcoming year. This isn't college football. Like, I don't think any of those things were realistically going to happen. So in terms of what he was really capable of doing, the only thing that he didn't do that I think, you know, you could have thought about was just banning those guys for life himself, Uh, like like the general manager, the manager. Because we've seen that before. Braves general manager, John Coppola, who got banned for life with improprieties and international signing, and that didn't happen. Uh, I guess, you know, by secondary effect it did because those guys got fired anyway. So I agree with you that the league could not afford to go lightly here, and I don't think that they did. Yeah, college football and college basketball, they call it lack of institutional control and uh, definitely something that was going on in Houston. Well, of course, we want to get into this new metric of course, what you do with StatCast and your StatCast podcast, which is phenomenal, and you're writing on MLB.com, outs above average. When did we come up with this? Well, we've had it for outfielders for uh, two seasons now, and people have been asking us forever, when are we going to expand it to infielders? And trust me, it's been a lot of hard work. Infield is a lot more complicated than outfield, and that is now out as of last week. Outs above average is a defensive metric that – hopefully says who is the uh, who, who plays infield well or poorly uh, defensively, and I think I was pretty happy, as I imagine most of your listeners are, to find that match. Olsen each rated outstandingly. I believe Olsen was the number one first baseman, and Chapman was a touch behind Nolan Arenado, and uh, to me, both of those rankings certainly pass the smell test here. Yeah, we are so fortunate to have these two guys, and for me this season – you know, because he broke his hamate bone in Japan last year, he missed a lot of games. This is the year, I think, Matt Olson in 2020. The A's are going to be a good team. I think they're going to be a playoff team. And now with this stuff going on with the Astros, maybe, they're, maybe they can overtake the Astros. But I'm looking at, like, 40-plus bombs, well over 100 RBIs, a gold glove. When you really look at Matt Olson, I think 2020 – is going to be the year, Mike, where people around the country realize the A's got something really special at first base. Yeah, I can tell you this. Every year for the last five or six years about this time, I go over to MLB Network and I participate in the Top 10 Right Now series. I rank my top 10 players for the upcoming season at every position. And we just filmed all of ours the other day. They'll be coming out each weekend for the next month. And at first base, I had Matt Olson number two, and I actually considered having him at number one uh, I ended up going with Freddie Freeman just because of a little longer track record there. Uh, but I, I agree with you totally. You know, there's been a lot of good first basemen over the years, but I look at Olsen, and the only reason that, like I said, I had Freeman was because of the track record, but I think Olsen's a better defender. I think he hits the ball harder, and he is like four or five years younger than Freeman is. So it would not be surprising at all to see him being the best first baseman in baseball at the end of the year. Where did you have Simeon and Chapman? I had Chapman, I think, Fourth, I don't have the list in front of me, but I believe I had some combination of Bregman, Rendon, and Arenado ahead of him. And Semyon was, I want to say, seventh. And that speaks a lot to the depth of shortstop uh, because you have Lindor and you have Bogarts and you have all these guys. So you could safely say I had three A's in the top ten uh, in the infield, and I'm pretty sure I also had both Marcana and Ramon Laureano in my outfielders as well. Yeah, this is a, you know, this is a really good time for A's baseball. They have a, a, a young core that as of right now is cheap which is you know which is good for the athletics but 
I'm not going to be shocked what this team does in 2020. I mean, we still got a ways to go here before spring training, but I, I, what are your expectations for the A's this year? The top or one of the top uh, wildcard contending teams. I mean, it certainly helps that the Red Sox don't really seem to be interested in doing anything, you know, so that takes out one of the big guns there. And obviously, as we talked about, Lord knows what's going to happen with Astros. Um, I, I remember like two years ago, and uh, if I can set aside all the bad takes I've had, one of my takes I thought of was like two years ago after the A's had been in the last place for three straight years, I was kind of good about them. And I said, this is going to be a really good team. You should pay attention. Uh, and I have been for the last two seasons. And when I look ahead to this upcoming season, not only is it Chapman and Olsen uh, and all the, the bats that we've liked, but if they can get uh, Jesus Luzardo and A.J. Puck to be healthy, those two guys have all the talent in the entire world. And, you know, you could see them up in a rotation with Flyers and Manaya, and there's a lot there to like um, if they can hold that together. I'm really excited to see those guys. I know that they're not going to throw 200 innings apiece, coming off injury and all that. Guys that not enough teams have, and that really puts the A's kind of in a catbird seat here. Let's end on this, and one more thing about the Astros. So during this investigation, the Astro people, employees, have come out and said, hey, listen, we're not the only team doing this. And they've mentioned that there's almost a third of the game has been doing this. If you're Major League Baseball, what do you do about that? Yeah, that's a, a really difficult question. I think part of it is uh, they're hoping to make an example of it. And I think part of it is, you know, you start investigations when you've got something credible to go on. So um, a ton of credit here is due to Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic because really spurred all this on the Astros. And then also that's what spurred on the Red Sox. I would be surprised if the other 28 teams in baseball all had completely clean hands here. But I just I don't know how you can launch investigations unless you have something. You know, if there's a couple of really big ticket suspensions here for Houston and the Red Sox, and if anything else credible comes along, uh, the point will have been made. But you know, you're right. This is not a good look for baseball, <laughs> and um, we are all better off um, if this can get expunged from the game. And I'm hopeful that these suspensions will help do that. Mike, you're the best. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Obviously, a very interesting day in baseball history, and we'll talk to you soon as we uh, get close to spring training. Thanks, Chris. You take care. Yeah, Mike does a good job, and it's always great to have him on the program. Now, when something like this goes down, you want to have somebody who's in the organization, understands the organization, and basically Matt Thomas does for the Astros what I which I do for the A's. He also calls play-by-play for the Houston Rockets. Here is Matt Thomas talking about the firings. Matt Thomas joins us once again. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're on the road with the Rockets, but as someone that's around this team on a daily basis, just how shocked were you by these uh, by these bans that are these suspensions, and then Jim Crane ultimately firing his GM and his manager. Well, you know, I didn't want to go on my radio show and guess, you know, play a game called Guess a Suspension. So that would have just been odd. Uh, I pegged Jeff to miss a year. I pegged AJ to probably miss at least eighty, if not a hundred games. So when the original came down of a year each, I was obviously uh, way more surprised on AJ's suspension. And then when uh, Jim had his press conference a couple of hours ago to announce him being released, uh, beyond shocked. 
uh, you're going to realize this is going to be a massive overhaul of this organization. Reed Ryan was his lead business guy. He is no longer with the team. So you have to replace a business guy. Which his son's going to do that, it sounds like. You have to get a new baseball tops man. You have to get a good field manager. And then, you know, you have the Garrett Cole departure. Uh, you've seen Will Harris, who was fantastic with this baseball team, get moved as well or, you know, in free agency. So it, there is a uh, a strange aura not only around uh, the baseball team but really the entire city because we have had three straight 100-win seasons, unprecedented baseball success in the city of Houston. Yeah, there is no doubt about it, and that's always the question that we won't know until it happens is, how does all of this affect the players? Well, you know, my partner on my radio show and I debate this. And he says, look, these guys, you know, George Springer still a, a premier leadoff guy. Jose Altuve is MVP. You've still got Justin Verlander pitching every fifth day. And that while all of that is true, as you know, baseball players are creatures of habit. Uh, they have a same routine every single day, whether it's in spring training, whether it's during the season, home or road. And um, it's going to be the question is going to be how long will it take for them to adhere to, understand, comprehend, and match with the new leadership group, whether it's uh, on the field or in the front office. And so, um, my first initial thought is it's going to be a very, very strange time for all those guys because they don't know what to say, they don't want to incriminate themselves, perhaps even more than maybe they already have. It's going to be probably the oddest year. Uh, of covering a team that is coming off of literally being one game away from winning a World Series. Uh, it's, this is, and and then you got Alex Cora, who he looks like dead man walking in Boston now. Yeah, he he does. He needs to put up a four sale sign. There's no way he survives this either, right? I mean, if you're going to go after Hinch, who supposedly smashed screens and didn't necessarily go along with this, if you're going to give him a year. What do you do to a guy that did it in Houston and in Boston? And correct me if I'm wrong, and, and I, I, I saw a tweet, so you know, I don't always consider it the gospel. Did Mike Elias from the Baltimore Orioles get suspended a year as well? Is that true? I have not seen that. We'll, we'll, uh, I, got, okay. I got my producer checking on that right now. I, you know, I understand why Jim Crank gets out in front of this and fires them because you want to try and separate yourself from this as fast as possible. It's got right. it got me wondering, you know, because a couple people brought up, hey, maybe you call Bruce Bochy. Do do you do you change the entire staff before spring spring training and start anew? I, I, Chris, I don't know. I've never been around this. I don't know what, what you're supposed to do. All I know is you lost. And by the way, I forgot to mention Brandon Tomlin, you know, Jeff's top guy for all the things that he had said after the American League Championship celebration. So. I mean, you, I mean, Jim Crane would have the better answer to that because let me tell you, he started up lots of businesses in his life in logistics, and he knows how to start something from the ground floor. It's just he's never had to worry about something so public like this, especially after, you know, usually when you clean house, let's be honest, it's because teams have lost 100-plus games. There have been, there's been problems with the books being cooked. Um, apathy kicks in. This is a thriving franchise that, as I said, won three 100-straight games, within a game of winning their second World Series in three years, uh, draw nearly three million people to their stadium. Uh, everybody's bumping around town wearing Astros gear, even in the offseason. I, I don't know. I, you're, not, you're not supposed to go on a radio interview and not be able to provide analysis. I can't <laughs> because I don't know what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, we, there's no playbook for this. So, I, of course, we don't know. And I think, 
You know, for A.J. Hinch, who's who's well-liked in this game, if he gets sure. if he gets out in front of this and does a press conference, I think he's got a shot to be a manager again. Luno isn't a guy that likes to get out in front of things. Obviously, we saw what happened during the uh, playoffs. Uh, what do you think his future will be like? Well, we were talking about that on the plane to Memphis uh, today. I am almost 100% assured that A.J. will manage again, uh, especially because if you, put him, if you put yourself in his shoes, while, again, you shouldn't condone it, you know, there have been things that people have done in, in your, in, with your boss in place of business that you don't, don't necessarily condone, but you have to kind of live with. And I, I don't know if that's really the, the easy way to, to describe that, but it wasn't like A.J. was out in front walking into the clubhouse, shutting the door and saying, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do for you to, do, to help you gain a competitive advantage. So he is so highly regarded, so well thought of around the baseball game, not only for his managerial skills, but, you know, he's got an analytical approach. He had spent some time with the Padres for an office. And obviously the Stanford pedigree is very good too. Um, yeah, he, he makes it as for Jeff. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, the, the term toxic was brought up in conversation about how the environment around the front office is. And I, and I don't know if that, if that's Jeff's fault or not, but uh, my guess is, you know, from a building of a franchise from scratch, you absolutely hire Jeff Leno. Uh, but do you believe that the way in which the organization was built and how it was built with obviously a lot of different people with a lot of grudges down the road using this as, as, an, as an, a way to indict the Astros? I can't give you an answer on that. I, I like Jeff. I thank him for his time in Houston. Remember, we're talking about 100 lost seasons after another with 10,000 people in the stadium and, and baseball hitting an all-time uh, low in terms of fan base, and he literally built it from scratch. So, I hope both get an opportunity. I would just say if I was a betting man that A.J. is probably back wearing a uniform a lot faster than Jeffson, a general manager's front office. And one thing out of this investigation, as you know, you cover Major League Baseball, so do I. We love the game. Is when Astros people are saying, wait a minute, we're not the only ones doing this. And they, you know, they were like, there's like seven to eight teams out there. They're doing just what we're doing. That's got to scare you if you're Major League Baseball. I mean, that's like a 30-year sport. Well, uh, yeah, because and, and, and to tell you honestly, if this is happening uh, in other places, then they need to be exposed, and they also need to face the same sort of punishment that the Astros have been facing. You know, I don't think you use this as well. Let's use the Astros to make sure no one does it again. My guess is this is just round one of it. Um, not to point fingers, but you know, you, since you asked, clearly, Cora's situation in Boston is very murky. Uh, how much did Carlos Beltran, you know, do and, and was involved with this here when he was a member of the team during that 17 World Series run? It, it, is that going to impact his future? I mentioned Mike Elias in Baltimore. I mean, there is a, a the Astros tree is you know because when you when you have success, people like to poach players and team and front office people for me. So yeah, I would think if I if I'm Major League Baseball, I am doing a thorough check of anybody. First of all, anybody that's involved in baseball should be checked. But secondly, anybody that has any sort of ties to the organization, especially when they were, when these things were happening. Well, I, it's been a rough 24 hours for for Houston sports after blowing oh. that <laughs> blowing that lead yesterday. I mean, I for doing talk radio. I mean, what what's it like in Houston right now? I mean, you've had just two bombshells dropped on you. So 
let me just paint the picture for your audience. I do a show from noon to three, and our flight today to Memphis was at two o'clock. So I didn't. I had my partner fill in the last hour and plus of the show. And so the first hour of our show, we just sat there and bemoaned how awful the Texans' performance was yesterday, and what needs to change there. And then uh, the bomb show comes out that uh, that AJ had been suspended. We, I didn't even know they had been fired until I was you know, above 10,000 feet when I can check the internet. So that was a double, a triple doozy of effect. And I guess the kind of the running joke here in, in Houston is, so A.J. Hinch and Jeff Leno lose their jobs, yet Bill O'Brien, the coach of the Texans, he, he still has his. So it's uh, <laughs> been a quite, uh, very, very peculiar 12 hours here in the city of Houston. Hey, but your Rockets, you're, you're, you're in this thing. Well, you know what I'm doing right now. Things happen in threes. I'm bubble wrapping Russell Westbrook and James Harden, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, good luck to you on the road with the Rockets. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll be reaching out as uh, we find out more about what's going on with this investigation. But we'll always thank you for your time. Call anytime. Take care now. How dramatic are these firings going to be for the Houston Astros? How much is this going to affect the actual team? We're going to find out. But usually teams don't do great when they're involved in a lot of chaos. Speaking of chaos, we'll continue to talk about it. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com joins us here on A's Cast Live. What were your first thoughts when you saw that Jim Crane, not only are are Luno and Hinch suspended, and then that Jim Crane, the owner, took it a step forward and fired them both? Hey, what's up, Tony? Yeah, um, I mean, that was certainly a shock. I mean, I think that's obviously the uh, I think the shock wave that everyone's kind of digesting right now here. Um, obviously, earlier in the day, you saw the uh, punishments that were handed down, which I think were, you know, about in line with what everyone was kind of projecting. Um, you know, some you got some people thinking maybe it wasn't harsh enough. I, I think it was, you know, punishments were were about what, what I was expecting, but what Jim Crane handed down, he took it a step further. I mean, that that was huge. I mean, I think that more than anything sends kind of a message across baseball in terms of, you know, what could happen. I mean, there's only 30 of these jobs in the league and, you know, the precious and, and, and to see an owner step in and actually fire uh, both their guys, um, I think it certainly sends a message. I, I certainly wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I was pretty shocked by that, but then again, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You don't want to have this lame duck thing hanging over your organization as you still feel that you're a team that can compete for a World Series and by just saying, okay, we're parting ways with these guys now, you know, at some point you won't have to deal with this anymore. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think probably, you, you, like you said, you want to distance yourself from this type of thing. Maybe, you know, I don't know how, how far uh, they'll go in terms of cleaning house and then bringing in a new whole new system. Um, I don't know how many if there'll be any more moves after this, I'm sure there, there might be. Um, but um, this is certainly a, a, in terms of, you know, wanting to kind of start fresh. I mean, you're, you're starting all over again, trying to trying to put this thing in the rearview mirror as quickly as possible with that move. Yeah, and the one thing I, I, and I, I'm going to ask you, and I know we, we just don't know, is, is what's the effect going to be on the 2020 roster? How does this affect the team? I think it's got it's. There's going to be a, a you know a cloud hanging over them. Uh, you know, as, as much as you know that like they're trying to you know distance themselves from this thing. There's no doubt that you know players are going to be affected by this. They're going to be thinking about this thing a little bit. Um, and you know, teams coming in, opposing teams, 
I mean, they got they got kind of a target on their back. They've always had it before, but even now, I think even more so, you're going to see that a little bit more. And uh, um, to to think that uh, players can go into the next season and not be affected by it, I think it's just crazy. I think it's just human nature. These guys are going to be thinking about it. Um, I mean, we'll see to what to what degree it is. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, they, as it is, they've lost players, and and I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. Now you got this thing over their heads. Um, bring in a new manager and everything. Um, it's I, I don't know. I was to what like like I said. Will they still be a good team? Will they still make the playoffs? Probably. Um, but to expect them to be that 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 well you know that well tuned machine that's winning 100 games and then just you know sweeping everybody. I don't I don't think. I think those days are kind of over now. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of handle this whole thing. Yeah, and then you got the guy who's the mastermind of it, and Alex Cora, who's mentioned more than anybody else in this report. You got to think he's going down in Boston. And then now, you know, you're talking two of the top teams, the Red Sox and the Astros. You know, this 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 really could alter the course of the American League next this this upcoming season. Yeah, you know that Red Sox thing is a whole different animal. I mean, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen there. Cora's core, what's going to happen to Cora? Maybe even worse than Hinch. I mean, for sure. I mean, if if what we're reading in this uh, whole MLB investigation is you know up to date, um, you know it's going to be pretty bad there. And obviously, there's going to be a distraction there with that thing. Who knows how long that that's going to take to play out? Um, but obviously, there's going to be a cloud over that as well. Um, like you said, yeah, it, the American League does it does change things a lot. I mean, these are two marquee teams who are being going to be going to be handed down. One's already been handed down punishment. The other one, still waiting. But um, there's you can expect something big to happen there. So we'll see how it goes there. But certainly, it'll be an interesting season next year to see what happens. Yeah, the commissioner really needed to step his game up because after 2017, and then we had the Apple Watch scandal with the Red Sox where he comes out and the Red Sox have promised me they will never do something like this again, and then they do. Plus, Manfred sent out a like a three-page memo about, hey, you better not be cheating. And you got these teams that are blatantly cheating, and the Astros are even claiming, hey, listen, there's, 78, there's seven to eight other teams that are doing this too. So it's like the commissioner has to show some backbone here or he's going to look soft. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think he, I think to be fair, he did do it with with the Astros thing. I mean, it, it was a pretty, I think, a steep punishment. Um, like I said, some people think it could have been more. I, I don't know. Um, I think it was it was around what we all expected. But um, you know, this was the first step for a first move in, in terms of addressing this thing. I think it was it was a good move. We'll see we'll see how he goes with the Red Sox thing. But yeah, I mean, to to think there isn't more teams out there. I mean, there, there you know, there's more teams out there. I mean, I think it's just. Uh, a matter of kind of, you know, going deeper into this thing and, and, and the investigation and, and seeing what you find. And I think we're going to see um, here in the coming year um, a little more come out of exactly, you know, how how far this thing goes, um, which I think, like I said, there's going to be, it's not just the Red Sox and the Astros. There's probably more teams involved in this thing from the way the uh, every, everything sounds from, from what, what people have been saying and, and the investigations and all that. Well, for the A's, they made a deal today. They acquired Tony Kemp, who was with the Astros and the Cubbies last year. I mean, the numbers are not going to do anything for you. Hit two twenty seven for the Astros, then 
then traded to the Cubs and hit a buck 83 in 44 games. Uh, when you look at second base, if you, if you had to handicap it, who do you think is going to be the second baseman for the Oakland Athletics this year? Um, you know, that's, you know, this thing kind of stumbles it a little more, right? I mean, they've got so many guys there and not, not one guy sticks out really. Um, right now I still think they lean towards giving Barreto a shot. And I think if Barreto, um, doesn't you know, just completely, you know, go off in a bad way in, in spring training and hit like 180 or something, I think you see Barreto start the year as a second baseman. I think, uh, what this really does, what this really does more is kind of, puts a competition in place with uh, Tony Kemp, who's out of options, and they got, you know, the Rule 5 draft guy, VML Machine, who's been going off in Puerto Rican League. Um, Only one of those guys is probably going to be able to make this team, so either they'll have to return Machine to the Cubs or Tony Kemp, you know, is out of options. They'd have to put him on waivers if he didn't make it, so I think one of those guys makes it there. I think in terms of the second base job, you still got Mateo and Noisy and Barreto in the mix, but I think it's really Barreto and Mateo since they're both out of options. And there's really it's it'll be tough to to get both Barreto and Mateo onto this team. You know, you could say you know maybe Mateo makes it as a utility guy, but you've got guys like Kemp now, and you've got Chad Pender. So um, you know, we'll see how how that competition goes. I think it may come down to Barreto and Mateo. But right now, if I had to handicap it, I'd say Barreto. Yeah, and you got the extra roster spot coming your way with 26 guys now. Yeah, yeah, you know, and. The A's roster is so right-handed heavy. I mean, you you got to get some left-handed bats in there. Um, you know, they they they've gotten by with it in the past with, with so many right-handed bats. But you know, you got you got. I think they have like what one or two left-handed bats in there. Um, and one of them is probably Austin Allen if he makes the team as a backup catcher. So I mean, not a lot of a lot of left-handed hitting there. Which at some point in the season you need a little bit more of. So I mean, I guess Kemp does give them that a little bit more. Um, you know, he, like you said, I mean, the numbers weren't great last year, but um, he's He's still relatively young, um, and, he, and he's had a lot of success in the minors. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what he brings here. Um, see if he makes a team. Like I said, it still might be a little bit of competition there. But um, you know, I think it's more just kind of trying to add some left-handed bats there. Yeah, and then uh, any other kind of battles you're looking forward to in uh, spring training? I mean, I think everyone's going to be looking at that that second base spot. I mean, I think it's it's really going to be interesting. I mean, I think Mateo is is a guy who. I mean, every year he goes off in spring training, so it's kind of like the Loretto situation. And if and if they lose him and and he and he goes somewhere else, that'll be interesting to see. Um, he strikes me as the type of guy who, if he gets that shot in the big leagues, I think you could see him kind of either not do well or go off and go crazy. It's going to be one or the other. So whether it's with the A's or someone else, that's going to be uh, interesting to watch. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, most of the positions are pretty much set, right? I mean, there's not a whole lot of competition there. I mean, the starting rotation you could pretty much pencil in right now. Um, the the bullpen will be interesting just to see who makes the club because right now it seems like they could add a couple more relievers, but it doesn't seem like they've made a whole lot of traction on, on any moves that I've heard of. Uh, I'm sure they, they'll probably bring in some maybe veteran guys you know, towards spring training who are without teams, maybe to kind of bring in on maybe minor league deals or, or really cheap deals. Um, but I think they're going to have to have one or two guys who are, were in the minors last year or, or got, you know, some chances later in the season to step up here and, and kind of fill those roles in the bullpen. Because I know it seems like they have some a few open spots that are kind of waiting to be filled and, and see 
who performs on spring training and kind of, you know, grabs hold of them. Well, I'll tell you what, everybody in the American League West, they got their eyes open now because the Astros seem very vulnerable. This is going to be a very interesting 2020 season, whether you're the A's, you're the Rangers, you're the Angels. I don't think the uh, Mariners are, are going to try and compete, but uh, wouldn't you say now it, it's wide open? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you look at the A's the last two years, um, you know, they've, they've been the, the one team right behind the Astros on their tail. Uh, if there's anyone who stands to benefit more from this, I mean, the Angels, yeah, they got better with, you know, Rendon, but uh, that starting rotation is still kind of a – you don't feel great about it. I mean, I think that's always been the problem with the Angels, it seems like, for a decade or so. Um, Rangers got better as well. I mean, it's not going to be an easy division. No, regardless of how the Astros do, I mean, all those teams have, those, both those teams have improved. But, I mean, if you're looking at one team to kind of slot in there and overtake the Astros in terms of being the top dog, I mean, the A's got the roster from top to bottom, I think, most, you know, well-rounded in terms of pitching and offense, defense. Um, I think they're right behind the Astros in terms of being the best team in the division, even with moves that the other two teams have made. Hey, good stuff. We always appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you at FanFest. Sounds good, Tony. I'll see you there. I'd like to thank Mike Petriello, Matt Thomas, and Martin Gallegos, and we'll keep you updated on everything going on with the cheating scandal on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.